The date is one that will be forever etched in my memory. It was April the 27th of 2011. That was the day when the, the largest number of tornadoes ever recorded in one day took place in the southeast. And they wreaked havoc over five states, paths of total destruction in Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee, and even into southwest Virginia. Vicki and I were living in Johnson City at the time. I was still the superintendent in Johnson City District. I got home about 8.30 that evening and we were under a tornado watch. I hadn't been home but just a few minutes before that watch was changed to a warning. So Vicki and I gathered up the dogs and the cat and went down in the basement. And I don't remember how long we were there but it sure seemed like forever. And all we could do was watch the weather reports, pray, wait, and hope that things didn't turn out too bad. That day, 246 people lost their lives. Three of them were members of one of my churches in Greene County. That church lost its steeple, it lost the front porch, and those people lived in houses close by. I will never forget that night. I mention it because in our lesson from the book of Acts, we read of a, a mighty rushing wind. And as you probably know, the, the word in both Greek and Hebrew for wind is also the word for spirit. Now, unlike that terribly destructive winds that, wind that blew in those tornadoes, the wind of which we read is constructive. It is life-giving, life-building. It is a transforming power that came upon them. Jesus, remember, had told the disciples to return to Jerusalem and to wait until the gift that God had promised them would be given. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit. And after days of waiting, that Spirit came upon them in a powerful way that can only be described as like a mighty rushing wind. It gave life to the church, but more importantly, that spirit gave power and vision and effectiveness in their witness. We read of 3,000 people believing that first day. And as we've seen over the last six weeks in the closing verses of chapter 2, what the Spirit left or created among them was a, a people united, a new community with exciting worship, with, with the miraculous occurring, with people caring in ways they had never known. I think it's fitting that we conclude this series by looking at the Pentecost story. 
because the key to what they had become is what they experienced that day. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm not interested in just simply retelling a story of the past. More than that, I hope that all of us experience the presence and the power that was felt on that first Pentecost day. So let's begin with this. We need that mighty rushing wind of God's Spirit to take away, to tear down the walls that separate us from God. Sin separates us. In the very first story of the Scriptures, you remember how Adam and Eve are depicted as having this intimate relationship with God until the day they make that fateful decision to eat a forbidden fruit. And immediately the separation begins. They cover themselves. They hide themselves. And then God expels them from the garden and places two angels at the gate so that they can never return. And throughout the Old Testament in particular, there is this sense of God's separation from us. Remember, you couldn't touch the Ark of the Covenant. You couldn't go behind the the curtains around the, 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 uh, the tabernacle. Even when they built the temple, there were walls and courtyards that said to different groups of people, You can only come this close to God for women and children, for the men, and one for the priest. And only on one day of the year could one priest enter into that most holy place where God dwelt. Because the holy cannot exist in the presence of the unholy. When Jesus comes... God takes the initiative to say, here is the way to a renewed relationship with me. On the day of Pentecost, it even gets more intimate because God no longer is confined to a place, but God longs to dwell within our hearts. Our our bodies become His temple. On that day of Pentecost, God's Spirit filled not one, but many temples, as many as those who believed. And whenever, whenever and wherever you and I are willing to receive the gift, God's Spirit once more rushes in. We need that fresh wind of God's Spirit to to break down the the walls that keep us from being, or that separate us, the person I am, from the person God wants me to be, from our best selves. Think about this. If you had just finished reading the Gospels and you didn't know anything else after the Gospels, and you open up Acts, 
And lo and behold, the first preacher of the gospel in Acts is Peter. The leader is Peter. That would have seemed a little odd because in the gospels, Peter is, is way too overconfident and Peter is way too compulsive and Peter's not always dependable. And of course, in a courtyard in front of a slave girl, Peter was so scared, he denied knowing Jesus. How could that Peter be preaching to the multitudes on Pentecost? The answer is what happened earlier that day when God's Spirit filled Peter's soul. Because God can always do for us what we cannot. We can't make ourselves holy, but God can. We can't make ourselves good, but God can. In fact, my friends, it, it, God can do make us into anything he calls us to be. So if you have ever thought to yourself, I need to be a better husband, or I need to be a better wife, or I need to be a better parent, I want to tell you this morning that you can be, not by your efforts alone, but by the power of God's Spirit at work in you. And if you've ever thought to yourself, I really need to be more patient, or I really need to be more loving or accepting, or I really need to be more open-minded, but I struggle with that. I'm here to say today you can be by the power of God's Spirit at work in you. And if you've ever thought to yourself, I need to clean up my life, I'm telling you, you can by the power of God's Spirit at work. If you've ever thought, I need to be more faithful, I'm here to say today, you can be more faithful because God's Spirit can make you faithful all the way to the finish. He took somebody like Peter and he changed him into a bold proclaimer of the gospel and a leader of the church. And God, through his Holy Spirit, can still make you into the person he first created you to be. We need that fresh wind of the Spirit to overcome the barriers that separate us from other people. Jesus knew that the greatest threat to the church would not be from without, but it would always be from within. Because Jesus knew that, that in our humanness, we often allow our differences to divide us. That's why in John 17, you see Jesus praying for the church to come, specifically praying that they might be one. That's why Jesus, you find Jesus saying to his disciples, by this will they know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. I like to think that at least in part, that's why Jesus knelt down with a 
basin and a towel and began to wash dirty feet to say, to show to his disciples, in this family, we humble ourselves to serve each other. And, and, and I like to think that one of the reasons Jesus told the story of a good Samaritan was, was so that he could say, look, in our family, we take risk for each other. And we dare to get involved to help each other because we care. And I think that maybe one of the reasons Jesus gathered the children around him is because Jesus wanted the church to know that in our family, everybody's important. We're not going to keep anybody away. But everybody has worth and value in the eyes of God. And the greatest responsibility of all is to love and nurture and help others grow in their faith and walk more closely to Jesus. And we can do that when God's Spirit dwells in our hearts. The walls that divide begin to crumble. We need that fresh wind to overcome the barriers and knock down the walls that separate the church from the world. Jesus' final instructions to the disciples are essentially the word, is essentially the word go. Go into all the world, into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, and be my witness. And when you look at the book of Acts, it doesn't take long to realize that they did go. They didn't stay in Jerusalem. They didn't stay in Judea. They went into Samaria and old enemies became brothers and sisters when they came to faith. They didn't stay there. They went on into Asia Minor and all the way to Rome. And it didn't matter what challenges they faced by the Spirit of God at work, they overcame them until the gospel was proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Now to do that, they had to overcome the fears. They had to overcome their reluctance. They had to overcome their prejudice. They did have to overcome resistance from around them. And that's what God's Spirit enabled them to do. Now, God's word to the church today is no different than it was 2,000 years ago. God's word is go. But we'll never go as far as God expects until we allow God's spirit to remove the wall of our indifference, to, to, to remove the wall of our complacency, to remove the wall of our prejudices, to remove the wall of limited time and energy. Oh, how we need that fresh wind, that mighty wind of God's Spirit empowering His people once more. I, uh, I came across a sermon by uh, Rich, Rick Kirchhoff. It was a Pentecost sermon that he preached in Memphis a number of years ago. And, and I want to share it with you as I close. He said, when God sends his spirit 
amazing things happen. Love abounds, barriers are broken, communities are formed, opposites are reconciled, unities established, addiction is broken, cities are renewed, races are reconciled, hope is established, people are blessed, and the church is alive. And then he says this, today God is up to something. So discouraged folk, cheer up. And dishonest folk, fess up. And sour folk, sweeten up. And closed folk, open up. And conflicted folk, make up. Sleeping folk, wake up. Lukewarm folk, fire up. Dry bones, shake up. Church, stand up. For today, God's spirit has come. And the Christ our Savior is lifted up. Now, I don't know Rick Kirchhoff, but he's describing a passionate church with those words. And that's what I hope we will always seek to be. And we can. When God's Spirit begins to fill our hearts and ignite the flame, and empower his people. My prayer is that today we don't remember Pentecost. We experience it once more. So my prayer is simply this. Come Holy Spirit, come. Amen.